you'd open your Bibles with me this morning to Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Now you may ask, where in the world is Habakkuk? I think we've given the page number for you, just in case. You find Amos, Jonah, Micah, he's one of the, Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. Minor being simply smaller in length as opposed to the major prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, like that. And you think, well, I, I haven't read, uh, for those of you who've been around, you, you may, may say, I have a minor prophet since you made us talk about Amos, and Bill Galloway hates it, hated Amos. Uh, because there was no good to Amos. Well, well, there's not news in the minor prophets in general because they're talking about judgment because Judah has been dis- disobedient. Israel's disobedient, mostly Judah, the southern kingdom. But uh, Judy, and I, Judy and I have a, have a, a dear who was uh, not, a, not a believer and, but was a good church person and started to go through uh, um, the minor prophets in BS, BSF. And it was in the study of the minor prophets in Bible study fellowship that she came to, she came to Christ. I did not see, not see Jesus in, in Habakkuk, but yet Jesus is all through Habakkuk, and all through the minor prophets. prophets. But we come to Habakkuk, and um, this will take us, a while, take us a while to get through. And you say, oh, this three chapters? That in three weeks. Well, not quite. As we will see, Habakkuk's a little bit, a little bit more complex than that. that. Uh, so if you're able, if you've gotten to Habakkuk and you're able, would you stand with me? Now, just as in, just as in today, we're going to introduce Habakkuk. I'm going to look at the first four verses, and odds are next, odds are next we will look at the first four verses. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to your holy word, Remind us that it is all profitable for us. It is all from you. And we should fill our minds and hearts with it. So, Lord, we ask that you would open our minds and hearts so that we have the understanding we need to live out your truth, planted deep within us, Lord, that it would never leave. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So, the book of Habakkuk, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. So, we see... This is a visual, a vision of some sort. Verse, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and life and contempt. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so, so justice goes forth perverted. Is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. Now, as you can, can see right away, there's injustice. That's a big part of not just Habakkuk, but a lot of the minor prophets. Now, Habakkuk, again, you may say, why, why in the world is Habakkuk? Well, it's not preached on very often, or it's not studied a lot. lot. I think to detriment, it has been, has been ignored. Um, because Habakkuk asks God... Some very hard and some very pertinent, pertinent questions, pertinent for him and pertinent for us as well. And, and these questions for which answers are easily understood, 
or that some nebulous theological answer will satisfy, or we can't go to third grade Sunday school. school. They look at Habakkuk in third grade Sunday school. But those types of answers are not going to suffice. The question that Habakkuk asked to the Lord. There are questions we often don't like, and what's worse, there are answers we often don't like as well. As well. Habakkuk is not easy. It is not man-centered. This is not three ways to have a to have a life in Christ. Um, this is not going to help you have a good self-image. Um, it's going to help you understand the Lord, Lord, and the way He's. Whether we like it or not, this is the way He says He does things. God is different from us. From us, perfect. He's perfect in righteousness. He's perfect in holiness. He is perfect in all of his judgments and everything that he says is right and true. He acts in accordance with what is good for us and what brings him glory. He is the one that defines what is good for us. The Greek philosopher Epicurus formulated relative to the goodness of God he said, if the Christian God, who is said to be omniscient, omnipotent, and omnibenevolent, exists, then evil doesn't exist. Remember, he's a philosopher. The rationale here is that if God were, were all, he'd know about all evil, as well as how to stop it. If he were all-powerful, he could stop evil. And if he were all love, he would stop, stop evil. However, Epicurus observed that evil, evil exists. So he came to the conclusion that the God of the, God of the Christian does not exist. The error of Epicurus was in his definitions. Okay. Typically, all-loving all and all-loving God. He defined all-loving relative to how, how he understood all-loving or how humans, humans in general would define all-loving. He could not fathom that an all-loving loving God had the capacity to use, use, evil, use sadness, to use hurt, to use injustice or violence or sorrow or, any, or anything else like that in ways that were, that were loved according to his purposes. His purposes. What confirms us to the image and likeness? That's his purpose for us. To give him glory. That is his overall purpose. And remember, Jesus was a man of sorrow, sorrows. And we are called to be like Christ. So in a roundabout way, Habakkuk is going to ask three, three questions. Does God care? Is, is fair? Is God even paying attention? Now, odds are we have all asked these questions at one time or another, time or another in our lives. Circumstances that we were in, that we were in, we cried out to the Lord, are you even paying attention to what's going on here, Lord? What is, ha- what is happening to me is fair. Okay. It is not fair, and, and humanly speaking, a lot of things don't look like they're fair. They're fair. Habakkuk looked around him and saw nothing but violence and injustice and oppression, and he calls out to God for help, but it seemed, but it seemed God was silent. And I think we've all, have all had that, where we think God is not speaking to me. I open his word, and I read, and I come up with bupkis, nothing. Lord, are you paying attention? Well, Habakkuk had that same thing, and he cries out to God. He had the perception that God was not listening. That's the perception at the beginning of the book. But Habakkuk, as we will see, is one of the very few people, like Job, who gets to have a dialogue with God. He asks God specific questions, and God answers him. 
like Job, not always the answer that he, he wanted. Are you paying attention? Well, were you there when I formed the earth? Were you, you there when you in your mother's womb? Were you pensioned to me then? And of course, the answer is no. One time or another, either I bet all of us have wished face to face with God so, God so we could ask those hard questions. So we, we could get some understanding. And, and, and odds are, he had a chance to have a, to have a face with God and say, God, what about these things? Where do you think he would, he would point? Look in here, I told you. Look in here, I've given you the answer to what you're facing. facing but sometimes the answer is, you have to trust me. But Lord, that's not the answer that I wanted. Okay, okay, that's not the answer to my circumstances. And he's, and he's going to say, you have to trust me. We, maybe we have some, some nagging doubts. Maybe we have some great struggle. God acts, or why God does not act, the way that we think he should in the, the world. Or in his care for those, he said, I will never leave you or forsake me. Lord, it feels like you left me. Habakkuk is one of the, is one of the few given that opportunity. And the Lord answers him. Some of the answers will not satisfy if you demand that God acts in ways that are determined to be right and best. I'm going to say that again. Some of these answers will not satisfy you if you demand that God acts in ways that humans determine for what is best for, for us. Okay? These answers will only make sense if you take God at his word. You have to take God, this is what he said. This is the way he said he is. This is the way he said he works out things in the world. You have to take him at his word and then rest in that. Uh, it was easy, but that's what we have to do. So the central focus of Habakkuk's prophecy is how a sovereign and holy God relates to a sinful world where society is permeated with godlessness and injustice. That's the central focus of Habakkuk's prophecy. So the theme can be seen in the opening characterization of the, the state of affairs as we read, read verse 2 through 4. How long shall I cry for hope, help and you will not hear or cry to you violence? You're not going to save. Why do you see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Now, now, those misception of Habakkuk, God, God is up there. Huh, I don't care. No, that's not the way the Lord works. Destruction and violence, violence are before strife and contention arrives. The, the law realized justice doesn't go forth. The wicked surround the righteousness, the righteous, the righteous deed the things. He sees a, a society in Judah. He sees all of these things going on and it appears that God is indifferent to what is happening. Here is the message that is given to Habakkuk. The time will come when evil will be overthrown, thrown, it will prevail. Odds are, odds are it's night time, Lord. <laughs> Can't you do it on my schedule? Can't you make things happen the way that I want them? No, no. And until it happens, look at, verse, look at chapter 2, verse 4. Until the Lord brings, up, brings about those things, what should we do? We do. The righteous shall live by his faith. I've heard that before. Aren't the words of Paul? How did Habakkuk get the words of Paul? No, no. Paul is, Paul is quoting Habakkuk. Okay? The righteous, the righteous by faith. Wow. 
you Habakkuk even here understood, understood just by faith alone, through grace alone. He understood those things. Apparently so. This is what the Lord has told him. Has told him. until that time in which the Lord brings about what is just and what is right, the we will live according to, according to our. So let's look at some of the basics of Habakkuk and his life, the author, his context, things like this, so that you have a good understanding of the book as we go through it. Well, who is Habakkuk? Habakkuk cannot be found anywhere else in the Old Testament except in these three chapters. All we know about Habakkuk is found right here in his book. Now, now this might be a couple of things, or may imply something else that I haven't thought of. It may imply that he needed no introduction, that he's so famous in, in the southern kingdom that everybody knew who he was, so he didn't have to mention anything about himself. He was a contemporary of Jer Jeremiah, of Ezekiel, of Daniel, and of Zephaniah. Okay, okay, these are the times, as we'll look, these are the times when, when Jerusalem is about to fall. Or it could be since no time, time is taken with his personal introdu introduction, it could mean that his message is far more important than himself. And isn't that the way it always is? The, the message of the gospel is far more important than anybody who delivers it. The only significance of every sermon that Dan or I, Dan or I have preached or will ever preach is to be found in the unerring truth of God's word and how it is demonstrated and how the Lord brings it to your heart. That is what is important. Let me quote uh, Wells, who's from Gordon, from Gordon Connery. And this is what he said about preaching in the 21st century. Preach, preaching is not conversation. It's a chat about some interesting ideas. It is not the moment in which, in which each individual may hear their own private, me private message words and then go on their way. This is God speaking. speaking. Now, don't think that, that he's God. Okay? He's not saying that. He's not going to see the clarification here in a moment. moment. This is God. He speaks through the, stamp, through the stamps of the preacher where that preacher's mind is on the text of Scripture and he's and in the presence of God. Now he quotes Luther. God lives in the preacher's mouth. Okay, that's okay, that's frightening up here. He continues. This is the kind of preaching that issues a summons which nourishes the soul, which draws the congregation into the very presence of God so that no matter what aspect of his character, his truth, his working in this world is in focus, we leave with awe and gratitude, encouragement, sometimes a rebuke. We've been in the very presence of God. That is what, this is what great preaching always does. Preaching lives between two worlds, the worlds of God's truth and the world we inhabit in our mind and our, our daily life. If preaching does not bridge these, these two worlds effectively, the church inevitably stumbles. Where preaching negotiates these worlds, there, is one, there one is likely to find spiritual authenticity. Do you remember what John the Baptist said about his own importance? John chapter, chapter 3. Now there's a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said, Rabbi, who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness? Look, he is baptizing and all, and all are going to him. John answered, I cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. 
The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is mine is now complete. He must increase and I must decrease. The message, message is far more than the man. Secondly, what's the historic context that Habakkuk is speaking in, into? The first the, the section, we, section we really is a lament. And it probably reflects the time of about, six, about 609 B.C. You've been in the Sunday school, the Sunday school class in here. You've had plenty of this his, history, so understand it. I'm going to give you a synopsis of going on here. Most of the kings of the southern kingdom were not godly. But along comes, Jos- comes Josiah. Josiah is doing the temple or cleaning up, and they find part of the book of Leviticus. Leviticus, and he says, this is what we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to worship God. So he begins a system of spiritual reforms. Because the side had been full of Asherah poles and idols and all these bad things, the people's hearts were far away from God. And during Josiah, he created these spiritual reforms. So the country as a whole moved closer to God. But Josiah passed away, killed. You can see this in 2 Kings 20, 21, 22, 23. And his successor, Jehoiakim, said, uh, I don't believe any of this stuff. We're going back to the old ways. So he undid everything godly Josiah did. So Habakkuk has been in the midst of this. He has seen the spiritual reforms and the godly things, and he has seen the spiritual decline and the godly things returning to idolatry. So he has seen the nation be closer to God and seeing the nation slip farther away from God. So justice had essentially disappeared in the, in the land. Along with the idol worship, along with the bad things of Jehoiakim, came back all the wickedness in the land. In the midst of moral decay, hey, Lord, he, the prophet cries out to the Lord, what are you going to do, Lord? How long are you going to let this go? go? And God's response to Habakkuk is not what he wanted. Lord, when are you going to judge these these people? When are you going to handle them? When are you going to create, uh, in, uh, in a sense, formation? When are you going to bring godliness back to the nation? And he says, well, basically, I'm not. not. I'm going to send the Indians, that's the Babylonian, Babylonians, to judge you. And I'm going to destroy Jerusalem. And you can just imagine, imagine, Habakkuk. No, let me ask a different, ask a different question. That's not what I want. That's not the answer I wanted. But that's the answer that the Lord gave. And and Habakkuk is wondering: In the world, can you send you send ungodly Babylonians to judge your covenant covenant people? Okay. And ultimately, and ultimately, it happened. 586 BC, Jerusalem falls to the Babylonians. Okay, okay, just come. You may think you may think Habakkuk would go God. God, why don't you just purge the unrighteous and keep the righteous righteous remnant? Basically, he says, I'm going to destroy destroy Jerusalem. There will be a remnant that is godly. But it won't be much. It won't be much. It will be much. Now, in time, God says, I'm going to judge the Babylonians. And that's by the Medes and the Persians. Okay, historically speaking, the Assyrians rise. And then they fall as the Babylonians rise, and the Babylonians as the Medes and the Persians rise. And then I think maybe the Romans are next. I, I didn't read that far in history. Um, but it, so this doesn't this doesn't satisfy Habakkuk, uh, and in, in fact, it only intensifies his questions to the Lord. The issue needing resolved is no longer God's righteous response to the people. 
towards evil or his lack of response. Lord, how can you be God and how, how can you be holy while you allow the unrighteous to prosper and your covenant people to, to fall? How can you do that? Habakkuk argued with, with God. And through that experience, he achieved a deeper understanding. And, and that's what happens so often with us. We go to God and, and we, are, we are going back and forth with him. How can you allow this? How can you, how can you tolerate this, Lord? And we don't understand what he's doing until we get, we get further. And we can look back and go, that's what he was about. That's why he allowed those things to happen. That's why he, he allowed injustice to flourish. So we may get to this point in our lives. Ultimately, Habakkuk realized that I don't worship God because he blesses me, because of temporal things. I'm, I'm called to worship because of who he is and is intrinsic. He is holy. He is righteous. He is the creator. He is other, other than we are. There's nothing, nothing in his character that can be added to. Added to. There's no worth that could be be give make him more worthy than he already is god is complete complete and that he deserves our worship even even are not going right even when injustice is flourishing flourishing even when even when evil is to be ran even when chaos seems chaos seems to wow god is to be worshiped that's the culture context that he is that he is getting into third what's the big problem here well, the big problem is how long, long let this go? How long, O oh Lord? Verse 2, verse 2. Lord, how long shall I cry for help? Gives the impression that he has been crying for help and he continues to cry for help. How long are you going to do this? So what Habakkuk is wrestling with here is the apparent discrepancy between revelation and experience. Revelation and experience. What God has said about himself and what I am experiencing in my life. I bet we've all have, have had, had this issue and run into, run into God's word says one thing, but I'm experiencing something different. So I think there are two things we have to think about before we decide that we are right, right and God's wrong here. First, we have to decide if the promise of God's word is specific or universal. Specific or universal. I will never leave you or forsake you. That is universal to all, all believers. It is the promise of God. He will never leave us or forsake us. I will bless those who bless you and, you and curse those who curse you. That's a specific promise. That God will favor those who favor Abram and set himself against those, those who curse him. So, that, so that's one. Is, is the promise that, that I'm clinging to, is that for a context and for a, for a people specific there, or is, it, or is it for every believer? Secondly, we have to decide who is to be trusted, trusted more. The, the God of who knows all things, who, who stands out of time and sees all things, or my heart and my own understanding. Standing. Well, scripture is very hard on us when it comes to those two things. Jeremiah 7, 17. The heart is deceitful above all things, all things, and be sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Mind. You know, you know, I had three daughters. I still have three daughters. Okay. I, I know every every Disney princess 
I know all those, all those about trust your heart and go and, and just don't trust your heart. Okay, don't. It is, it is evil, all things, deceitful above all, desperately sick. Well, what am I to trust? God's word. What well, my own understanding, but this is the way I understand it. Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all, Lord with all your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your straight your paths. Don't, don't, trust, don't trust your own understanding. That, that's not the message we get from the world. That's the message we get from the word. So Habakkuk is having trouble reconciling what he knows of the character of God and the purposes of a good and powerful God with, with all these. Aren't we God's covenant people? How can he allow this? How can he tolerate the evil that is going around? It's, it's a collapsing economy. Productivity is going down. Food shortage, violence, injustice, a wholesale disregard for God's law, just to start those today or is that in Habakkuk, in Habakkuk? yeah you'll notice in, in the, those opening verses this wasn't a problem just for the world around the covenant people this is a problem for the covenant people they are acting unjustly or unjustly they are usurping God's place and role in the lives of their their, their friends. They are treating their friends badly. They're the ones doing violence. God, God's people are very far from what God wants them to be. To be. That's one of the reasons judge coming. So when you, so when you look at the verses, you have to realize the, the is twofold. God's timing and God's tolerance of sin. It's a question many of us have asked today. How long will this go on, Lord? When will those who, those who pursue evil be brought to justice? When will, the, when will the wicked prosper? When will the righteous be vindicated? Why is it that this good God whom, God whom we serve, who holds power and all authority, all authority, tolerates spiritual and moral decay, even dry rot amongst his people? How does he tolerate this? So he's, he's doing here. Who does Habakkuk take his complaint to? Complaint to? Then go to a neighbor. Go, you know what? I don't know why God does this. I don't know what he's thinking about. No, he doesn't go to his neighbor. He goes, he goes to the Lord. The Lord is the one one can actually do something about this. So often we, we want to go, go around the, that is an issue and not talk to them. Or we, we want to talk to our friends about something we see. Why isn't the Lord doing the Lord doing this? Help us with an understanding. But sooner or later we have to go to our knees before the Lord and say, Lord, why is this going on? We have to open the word and dig in, dig in, and why this is going on. Remember what the psalmist says, says, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Habakkuk just wants to know when, it's gonna, when his help is going to come. When will it come? Does the Lord not hear me? Does he not hear the cries of his people? So we ask in our own lives, well, I've been praying about this, this. Crying out to the Lord, but I don't see any change. So does that mean God doesn't care if I don't see any change? Maybe that question has haunted you. It's haunted, haunted probably generations of believers. And they've grappled with the problem of evil in the world. Why does evil seem to flourish? Okay, okay remember, evil comes from our hearts. It is our sinful nature. If God is all-powerful, why does he allow suffering? Why does he, why does he allow evil? Is God concerned, concerned about us? He noticed the troubles that take place in our lives? 
Habakkuk is struggling with these issues. He's struggling with the same doubt. Same doubt. He calls on God to, del to deliver his people. So the co core message of Habakkuk, and we will, we will say this a lot as we study Habakkuk, and we've already read it, the just, the just live by his faith. The shall live by faith. New Testament gives quite a bit of theological importance to Habakkuk. The author of Hebrews talks about him. Paul, Paul passage both in Romans and in Galatians to highlight the doctrine of the, of the justification of faith. Remember, remember faith is a one-time act. Yes, justification is, but sanctification, the exercise of faith in daily life, is a continual, a continual process until we get to be right before the throne of grace. We will grow in our understanding of the Lord once, who he is, how we are to be obedient, and hopefully as the, the, the moment before we get to the Lord, we can look, we can look back in our lives and say, I have grown tremendously over, tremendously over the years. It would be sorry to say that I'm still at a third, at a third grade Sunday school for 40 years. That is not, is not factory. God wants us to grow in our knowledge of his word, who, who he, how he acts in our lives, our lives. The true believer is the one who has been declared righteous by God, by God. Habitually, not perfectly, but we will habitually persevere in throughout our lifetimes. So let me summarize Habakkuk. He lived and spoke at a time of great unrest, social injustice, violence, etc. Babylon, the superpower that was constant, it was a looming influence in the world, almost destroys the Jewish people. people. Babylonians would soon conquer Jerusalem. This is, he's writing about 609 maybe-ish B.C. Jerusalem falls in 586, so just, just short of 30 years. In that time, Bab Jerusalem is destroyed, the temple is destroyed. Most of the population is either killed or carried off to exile. In it's a terrible time for the people of Judah. And Habakkuk's saying, judgment's coming. But... I love that word, but, but the time will come when evil will be, will be overthrown. The wicked will receive their judgment. The rest will eventually prevail. Fail, but it's not on our timetable. The time of what is what is right seems to be delayed. If that's true, then wait for it. What do we do in the meantime? The righteous shall live by faith. Those who long for and pray and hope for the day, day when the Lord will bring righteousness into, the, into this world. We have to continue to live justly until that time. And you think, Grant, I'm just one person. How can my life, lived and lived obedient, change this world? Well, that's one, well, that's one of the things to explore in Hecate, because that's what they're called to do. Why believers, in the face of what looks to be overwhelming evil, are, call, are called to live faithful to the Lord? Why? Because that's what he says we are to do. Let's pray. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before, we come before. this is just a taste of what is going on. And we can see a lot of, a lot of similar Habakkuk's world. No, are not to be overthrown by Babylonians. But we see evil in plenty of, plenty of places. We see injustice in plenty of, in plenty of, and we wonder why it is that the righteous often suffer. Why do, why do, do God and women continue to get pushed to the edges of society, the edges of influence? Why is it that when, why is it that when we live out our lives of faith, we get 
persecuted for it. We're the ones that are called evil. Evil. And society calls evil good. Lord, in the coming weeks, help us understand this, that we might live in accordance with your word, that we would be bold in the face of evil, that we would not back down from what we know to be true, and that, Lord, as your Holy Spirit fills us, we would sense that, that strength that, that is, is not our own, the strength that comes only through Christ. And it is in his name that we, we pray. Amen.